See is that? That's it, JP. Yeah. JP forty three. Yeah. <laughs> nice. You know what? I should. I. Yeah. Go I'm ahead, in the it, middle of doing. I'm in. in the middle of doing this podcast. You're interviewing. You're interrupting Chris and I. How dare you? <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, call me when you're done. Okay. Is that all you want to say? You <laughs> should, want to, you want to tell I, us, Jason, I join about you how you're doing? <laughs> yeah. Chris has a question. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Should I, should I join you into the Zoom call? <laughs> yeah. You want to jump? <laughs> no. No. That's a no. But Chris, Chris wants to let you know that he's 88th in the pool, and you're. What are you in the in the MotoGP fantasy right now? Me, I'm like 100 and something. Oh, uh, horrendous. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Yes. All right, I'll call you later. <laughs> uh, a lot of races left. Okay. All right. Goodbye. All right. So, so now I can title this episode with special appearance by <laughs> on the phone. So, you want to ride a motorcycle? Well, you've come to the right place. Because this is the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle podcast. Good evening, everyone. This is Chris Geis. I'm the host of the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle podcast, and my special guest tonight is Greg White. For those of you already familiar with Greg, you'll know him as part of the announcing team for Motor America, host of the Greg's Garage podcast with co-host Jason Pridmore. And if you also follow him on social media, you have, will have heard of his Greg's Ride to the Races. So, uh, hey, Greg, how's it going? Good, Chris. How are you? Thanks for having me on, man. Really oh, my pleasure. It. Good good to have you on the show. Um, so for anyone tuned in and listening, if uh, you have any questions for Greg, uh, just uh, you can just post a comment on the uh, Facebook live stream. I will do the best I can to keep an eye on those and uh, get all the questions answered. So, um, Dude, I, is, that hat, is, is that hat your own merch? It is actually. This you is got my, your own my, merch. That's my, sweet, my dude. Podcast, yeah, my my uh, my podcaster hat. I got my 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 t-shirt. And nice stickers and keychains and the whole deal. That's the way that dude. I, we yeah. yeah, we we're way behind in that deal, man. We got to do that for sure. Yeah, definitely. That'd be cool. I mean, when when you got some Greg's Ride to the Races stickers available, let me know. I'd be happy to sticker up my bike a little bit. Um, That's cool. You know, I've been I've got like a Moto America one and a couple of you know Kyle Wyman because I'm in the uh, you know Kyle Wyman, Wyman army and stuff. Yeah, Wyman, <laughs> that guy. That's awesome. That That's guy. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, we, we could talk about you. You were down at the reveal. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit too. But I thought may, maybe we'll start with uh, your Greg's Ride to the Races. You know, I, I've been thinking about interviewing for you for quite some time now. And I think when I saw your announcement, you know, that you were, you were doing this ride to the races, it was kind mm -hmm. of the kick in the ass that I needed because I'm like, you know, what is cooler than riding motorcycles to see motorcycle racing and, and talking about it and, and whatever. So how, how did that whole thing get, get off the ground? Well, I mean, I'm trying to think if I shorten the story or not, how much time you got? I mean, I you know, as much time as you have patience. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it really happened because my grandmother is getting ready to turn 99 or 100 years old this oh, summer. Nice. La and she lives up in Cape Cod. Last year, my mom called me and she was just like, look, man, how do we get your grandmother to stop driving a car? Because she's driving at 99. Now she can see well. She's agile. Her brain's 100%. Mm -hmm. She doesn't hear that well. And my grandmother rips. I mean, rips. You're talking about 
Cape Cod speed limits are 25, 35 miles an hour. She's going 20 to 30 over the speed limit, right? So my mom's getting a little worried. I mean, Graham's is slowing down a little bit, you know? So I was like, all right. And the cool thing was, it's like a 2008 Kia Spectra. Spectra's like a smaller one. It's got a little 2.5 liter engine, four cylinder with like 135 horse, automatic. And it had a 40,000 miles on it. And I was just like, you know what? We're in the middle of COVID. You know, flying is is a thing right now. So let me go ahead and buy it. And my biggest thing about traveling is, is if you've ever seen that movie, like Up in the Air, when like George Clooney's like collecting miles, he's collecting points for all the places he stays, and he's uh, totally obsessed about it. That's me. Like, I'm obsessed about it. So honestly, when the airlines froze your status and the rental car agency froze your status, I was like, well, I'm going to start driving to more of these races. I live on the East Coast. There's a lot of races on the East Coast. And I was like, I really liked it. I enjoyed being on the road driving like that, you know, and even some of those drives were 10 hours and I'm, I was like, okay with it. I, I've r- driven back and forth across country over 25 times. In 2004, I rode a 50cc Zuma scooter across country nice. from Charlotte to, not a straight line, but Charlotte to uh, Fontana, California, with a bunch of stuff in between. So I got thinking during the winter, uh, which was brutally stupid, and I thought, boy, you know, I should ride to the races. So I started placing phone calls to the gotcha. people at the manufacturers that I know, right? And... Everybody was like, look, man, we love the idea, but there are no motorcycles. There are no motorcycles to loan you for the entire summer, you know, from April until October. So I scrapped the idea and I was like, all right. And I have like just over my monitor, I have a big whiteboard on it. that has got a bunch of stuff about the podcast and ideas for certain things. And it's been up there. And I'm on the phone with uh, Richie Alexander. I don't know if you know Richie or not. But. Not personally, but I watched the video. Right, he he was in the video that you did right when you yeah the live it. deal. So yep, Richie yep. Richie and his family own Hudson Valley Motorcycles, which is in Osning, New York, which is say about an hour north of the city. Mm-hmm. I know New, you're a, you're a New York yeah, guy. I'm like two hours, yeah, something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're like uh, three miles and about two hours away. Yeah. So. I'm on the phone with him and we're just talking, you know, Richie and I have known each other since 1997 or 98 when he came to superbike racing and he won that 98 750 Supersport championship. Right. So I'm just like, blah, 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 ride to the races. He's like, done. I'm like, what do you mean done? Nice. He goes, I'll, I'll lend you our dealerships, demo bike, Ducati Multistrada V4S. You can ride to the races. Then all of a sudden it was like, uh Oh, <laughs> now I've got to figure out how to ride to the races now, now I and I've it. got to figure out what I'm going to do, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, I, it's not like I live by myself. I mean, I have a significant other and it's, you know, a, a puppy and all that kind of stuff. So it's not like I can take unlimited time away from, yeah. you know, from home. I don't want to, I like my chick, you know? So I'm like, whatever. So we figured it out and, um, yeah. So road Atlanta, you know, five hours, but I made it, I don't know, nine. VIR is an hour and 20 minutes. I made that one like f- five hours. And then uh, I live in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So then I'm going Road America. Right. Just uh, okay. To the Ridge, to Laguna, nice. Nice. all the way back home, to Pittsburgh, to Barber. 
Okay. So, and, and there's some, some other things in between. Okay. So that's kind of how it all got started. I got started with my grandmother getting ready to turn hundred. Really? It's what it is. <laughs> and the fact she's a speed demon, which though, Chris, by the way, started to illuminate how the heck I even got this way. Cause my mom is so conservative, you know, she, mm-hmm. she, I mean, she speeds, but she's just like, you know, Oh, there's a corner. Mild, oh, mild speeding. I feel half a G, you know what yeah. I mean? Got to slow mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Okay. But gr- grandma's got the, uh, heavy foot. Yeah. Graham's got the heavy foot. <laughs> How'd you get into riding motorcycles? So 2016 timeframe actually was my girlfriend, um, who she 2016. rode 2016. I'm, I'm oh, like, wow. You I'm must've like been what? 23 baby. Yes, yeah, yeah. I wish <laughs> I had slightly less gray at the time. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, I um, thought you just did a uh, hair club for men. For, like, like do the, like the, the gray the, box, the, the maturing, the, the maturing. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So you don't get carded <laughs> no, going into, you I'm, know, a bar or whatever. I, I get it. I get it. Um, but, uh, she, she had ridden motorcycles when she was younger, like late teens. She hung out with people on motorcycles. You know, she was accustomed to riding on the back of motorcycles, you know, some, whatever, some of which involved patches and stuff like that, but you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And, um, she, she stopped when she started the family and then, um, about that time frame, 2016, she's like, you know what? I really, I just want to try it again. I loved it, but I never really felt like I was a good rider or I got the hang of it or whatever. So as a gift, I got her the uh, basic rider course with the Motorcycle Safety Foundation. I was like, well, heck, if she's going to do it, I might as well do it. And uh, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. It's like I had, it was a little 250cc something. It wasn't even like some, they had a mix of like little cruisers. And then this was almost more like a, a 80, not ADV, but like, a, you know, kind of on-road, off-road kind of bike, right? I, I, f- I forget, I forget what the model was, but. I you talking about my, back in 2016 or when 2000, you were a kid? Yeah, 2016. Now, 2016, when we did the MSF course. Uh, nor, um, it was, they it used was like to a do little Suzuki, on... I don't know, I forget. Oh, 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 oh. Was it, was it, it look, kind of looked like a dirt bike a little bit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the 250. Oh, man. I, on the Greg's Garage, t- show, like TV, TV stuff I did. Or TV or TUV or something. I don't know. I don't forget what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know okay. a bike. I, I did a review on that bike like eight years ago on the Greg's Garage oh, really? TV YouTube Okay, thing I'll, 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 go, I'll go check it out in the archives. That's that's cool. But anyway, so I didn't even start the motor. I just swung a leg over. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's it. I'm sold. I, I'm going to I'm gonna do this motorcycling thing. And, and, and it just kind of went from there. So, uh, Well, welcome, you know. dude. Well, that, glad that, to have you. Thank you. Here. you. No, I mean it, it's why I'm doing this thing, right? So I fell in love with the motorcycle thing. I did follow auto racing for many, many years, but once I got into bikes, it was like, all right, I got to follow motorcycle racing now. You know, I started following Moto America. I, I was part of another podcast for a while, and I was doing Moto America coverage for them because the other guy was doing Moto GP. You know, nothing like what you and Jason do, right? But um, it was like our little, you know, because it was like news of what's going on in motorcycling, and hey, let's let's talk about racing also. Um, and that's how I really got to know Moto America and began to appreciate it. And it, it was funny because when I was, when I had a uh, Carruthers and Bison, you know, I said to them, Hey guys, you know, I, I have a little confession. You know, I got to admit when I was asked to cover Moto America, I was like, eh, I don't know, like MotoGP, man, that's the thing. And world Superbike, and, you know, Moto America is just getting started and the TV coverage wasn't the same or whatever, but I was like, okay, let me give it a shot. And, uh, you know, I started like looking at the rules and the classes and the bikes and I watched one of the first twins cup races, right. When I was at started 2015 or 16, I think there was eight bikes in the race. Right. But the competition was so good. I was like, this is freaking amazing. You know, and you could tell that these were guys that didn't do this for a living. You know, they were just out 
banging bars because they love doing it. So anyway, whatever. So I fell in love with motorcycle racing and I do this thing, you know, I interview interesting people just to do what I can to expose people, you know, to motorcycling and the world of motorcycle racing. And, you know, you can tell I do my photos and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So cool, man. It's awesome. That's awesome. That's my little story. But um, I, I'm sure it's a few years before me, but how did you get started? No. Were you like one of those early, early guys, like five years old on a... No, God, little, no. A little two-stroke, no. No, 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 no. Um, we were forbidden from riding motorcycles when I was a kid. My mom was uh, very open-minded about a lot of things, about our safety. Mm -hmm. No, no chance. And I'm the middle of three, and we're all, like, wide open. I mean, just, you know, wide open. So... My dad was into motorcycles. My dad was a Marine carpenter, like for a trade. He just unbelievable with his hands, skills, welding and woodworking and all stuff. So my dad, you know, when I was a little kid, pieced together some bikes. I mean, would weld frames, would take a motor from this Triumph and bars and forks from this BSA and whatever. And he made this cafe racer type thing. And, um, my, you know, my parents split when I was relatively young, but there was always like a, like, I just wanted to be like my dad. I had this impression of what my dad was and all that kind of stuff. So we were, um, not allowed. So finally high school ends, graduate. I go off to Arizona. We're living in Massachusetts. When I graduate, I go off to Arizona to Embry Riddle Aeronautical University and with a bunch of pilots in 1980, I hate to date myself, but 1987, mm -hmm. that was two years after that piece of garbage movie Top Gun came out. <laughs> and every, can I swear on this podcast or no? Of course. Yeah. I'll, I'll mark it as explicit. At least he wrote a Kawasaki. I'm a Kawasaki fan. So whatever, <laughs> whatever. Anyway. Yeah. He was riding. All right. On the back of a flatbed and the thing's bouncing around. Uh, he wasn't yeah. riding it. Anyway. So the thing was, is like every dodo bird showed up to riddle with an interceptor 500 or a ninja, something, a leather jacket and aviator sunglasses. And they all washed out. It was hilarious. So not all of them washed out, but a good, good bit of them washed out. But in that, when you you know go to an aeronautical university in Arizona, I mean, I, I swear that at, at one point there were more motorcycles in the parking lot than than not. And so I had a guy that that I knew who was dumb enough to let me ride his motorcycle, <laughs> and uh, it was a Honda 500 Ascot, which is like a flat seat, flat bars, what what we would have deemed back then a standard bike, you know, and. Um, I rode it, you know, he showed me how to shift and all that kind of stuff. And I made the typical mistakes. I, I didn't dump the clutch and loop it out or whatever, ride it into a barn like you see, but I think I stalled it, you know, trying to let the clutch out. But, uh, I remember really, really enjoying it. And I was on a ride with a friend of mine, my old roommate in college, Spike and Spike had a, uh, FJ 1100, which was a revolutionary bike in its time from Yamaha. Mm -hmm. really one of the first sport bike looking kind of perimeter the frame was about that thick but anyway we're coming down this mountain in arizona and this q-tip you know what a q-tip is q-tip is an old lady with big okay, with white the big, hair the big white hair, okay gotcha. licking yeah. the steering wheel mm -hmm. didn't look pulls out in front of me and i had no idea what to do no training 
Mm-hmm. So I low sided the thing and a cable that holds up a telephone pole, uh, stopped me sliding about 70 miles an hour and just right in the hip, just dead oh, stop. Geez. And I bounced around and I was like, this is it. I'm hooked. <laughs> so you threw a leg over a bike. I literally tossed it down that the road and was yeah. hooked. Wow. And then, um, got to go to my first AMA Superbike race as a fan, just absolutely zero point zero idea that I would ever be where I am in life right now. Just went as a fan. They had a race at Phoenix International Raceway and it ended up raining and, you know, they ended up canceling the races and stuff. But um, that kind of ignited my love for it. All the while working in the background is that my dad did it. You know, my mm-hmm. dad was my hero. Yeah. Um, my parents got along after the divorce, but he stayed in Massachusetts. We actually moved to California when I was a kid. So, you know, and back then, obviously, there's no FaceTime. There's no cell phones. There's <laughs> right. none of that stuff. So that kind of started there was the this journey thing with the dial, right? <laughs> yeah, there was that thing with the dial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you you give the kids now, and you go make a phone call, and they're like beating on what? the receiver, like they can't figure it out. But um, that kind of you know that that kind of ignited it, and then some things happened in my life where I went to college for a year, but I didn't go back for two, and went to work for Xerox in Boston. And during that time, um, I was going to buy an Isuzu car that had Lotus suspension. It was a little turbo thing. It was a wedge, it looked like a wedge. And my girlfriend at the time talked me out of it because she was wicked conservative. And she was like, you know, Greg, you don't, you don't know the service records on this car and you don't know this and you don't know that, right? So I was like, ah, fine. So I didn't buy the car, but I had a down payment. So my answer to that was, I went straight to a motorcycle dealership and bought an EX500. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Kawasaki X500. And that's what started it for me, really. Oh, nice. yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. That's cool. By the way, uh, Lynn, Lynn, Lynn is watching, and she mentioned it's a T, probably TU250X was the bike I threw my leg over. Sound TU250X. Right? Sounds right. That's Sounds a, about yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, all right, Lynn, thank you for that. Right. Like, I literally had a square speedometer, right? Like, just that, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, that that's, that sounds about right. It was yeah, very, yeah, yeah, very yeah. simple bike, and I don't know what it was. Actually, the reason the instructor put me on that one is I'm six foot tall. I was one of the taller people in the group. Mm-hmm. Tallest bike. So he's like, oh, yeah. you take that one. I'm like, okay, I, I don't yeah. know, whatever. <laughs> that's fine. So, but it, it, it just kind of clicked. So so then from, from the Kawasaki, what got you into racing? Like, how did your... How did your racing career get started? Um, so I'm, I'm gradu- I've graduated from college. I'm working after my degree in aviation business administration. I take a job with Xerox, which was ultimately my goal because I'd taken a, a couple of years off. And I was like, let me get my degree and I'm going to go back to Xerox and, and, uh, and get sales training. So I'd taken a job uh, here in North Carolina. I didn't know anyone. It was kind of a new, it was an experimental job that Xerox was doing. So I had my head down and I was working and doing all that kind of stuff. And, um, well, I'd gone to, to, to sales training school in Leesburg, Virginia. And what had happened was, is I had that EX 500 all through college. And when I graduated from college, I was like, man, I mean, this is going to sound really bad. And it really made my heart pound, but I think I was like $1,200 in debt, like huge debt, $1,200. Right. So I sold the EX 500 to pay off my debt so I could go enter the workforce debt free. Yeah. So when I got my first commission check 
first thing I did was I went to <laughs> I went to this dealership. I got a real problem with spending money to, to this dealership in Roxborough, North Carolina, called Fox's Suzuki Kawasaki, and I bought a Kawasaki ZX6 E model. The E model was right before the R. It was a 1994 black, and you know it still looked like a sport bike. It was fully fared, but it was kind of heavier, and it it you know had bars that were above the triple you know above the triple clamps and those yeah. types of things, right? Like kind of you know like old old school. Uh, yeah, like hurricane of. type stuff. All right, yeah, yeah. So I get that bike. I knew a little bit about motorcycle racing, and you put some money in my pocket. So, in 1994, I want to say it was September-ish, 1994, the 500 Grand Prix Series is coming to the U.S. to Laguna Seca and Monterey. So, I decide I'm going to jump on an airplane and go by myself. So, I go and I, you know, and I just walk around like a fan, you know, and I, I see people in there. Oh, look, there's Rich Oliver. He, he, he's one of those AMA guys. He's racing the 250 class. Oh, there's this guy. There's that guy just by myself rolling around with just a disposable camera, snapping photos, kind of, you know, and I run into a guy that I knew from college who I used to ride the canyons with in and around Prescott, Arizona, this road called White Spar Road, 89A. And I ran into him and we start rapping out. Hey man, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And he says to me, Next weekend's the AMA Superbike season finale at Road Atlanta. And I'm like, before before you could whip out your phone and go, let me see how far away I am from that, right? <laughs> right. So I go, dude, I think I'm like five, six hours down, down the road from there. And he goes, well, why don't you come on in? You know, you should join me in the paddock. So I'm like, all right. So I go down to Road Atlanta for that final race. Scott Russell comes back and I was a huge Scott Russell fan, bought a screaming chief hat, all this stuff, right? Scott Russell's back uh to race this race from World Superbike. He'd won the title and kind of and and lost the title in 94. He was a stud. Colin Edwards was there on the Vance and Hines uh Yamaha factory rider, getting ready to launch his career, you know, internationally. Uh, Jamie James, all these guys, right? And I meet Steve Crevier, Canadian and his brother-in-law at the time, and I can't remember his name, um, super, super, super nice people. And I'm standing on the wall, and I'm watching racing, and I'm watching this guy that I know race. And I was like, oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. So in the magazines, Cycle World, whatever, big articles, Kawasaki releases a ZX-6R. It's coming. It's coming in the springtime. So I run my ass down to Fox's Suzuki Kawasaki, and I say to the guys there, Richard, who owns it and stuff, he and his brother, and I say, I want a new ZX6R, and I'm going to race it. And they were like, really? All right, we're going to sponsor you. Sponsor me? Hmm. Yeah, we'll let you buy a bike at dealer cost. So they end up pulling some strings and getting me a bike early on the caveat that I had to have a racing license. So the very first... Ed Bargy School at Roebling Road Raceway in Savannah, Georgia. I take my ZX6E. I go take my class. I do my mock race, of which I finish second, not first, but I don't want to get upset about it. <laughs> and then soon after that, I get a ZX6R. With no, I, Chris, I didn't know anything. Nothing. I don't know how to. Probably better. I could put it's gas in it. Probably better that way. <laughs> Dude. 
I ended up getting hooked up at the time with a bunch of people between here, Raleigh, North Carolina, and Greensboro, North Carolina. Team Triad, they were called. A bunch of great people that I'm still friends with. Just talked to one of those guys today, as a matter of fact. And um, they taught me everything there was to know about like maintenance, working on bikes, how to, you know, be in the pits, like all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And then, and I just, you know, went out and twist the grip like a moron. And then that was it. And I was already so old that by the time 96 rolls around, you know, I, I go from novice to expert and I was like, well, I can't spend any time in the region learning how to be a, a faster racer. So I went straight to AMA nationals in 1997 after a move from North Carolina to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the TV career started. So but that's gotcha. how it all happened. That's that's cool. So These how two detailed stories, should I shorten them up? <laughs> no, it's awesome. If I mean, Jason Pridmore is listen. watching right now, dude, he's just rolling over in his grave and he's still <laughs> with, with, alive. With lots of well, I'm sure he'd be commenting here if he was watching. Oh, so. dude, he'd be crushing me right now. Thank God. I he's mean that golf. One of the things I enjoy on your podcast is, is all the banter that goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. But um no, I I just figured you know, this is a good opportunity. I mean, you know, I'm sure you've talked about some of the stuff with, with other people. No, nah, dude, just, nobody it's asked just, me. It's just nobody. a good opportunity. Like, it's not like you're going to be on your own podcast saying, oh, well, let me talk about my racing career. But Oh, I try. But like, as you know, <laughs> you get, as you know, I know you get, shut down, that. You oh, get yeah. shut down pretty quick. But, uh, so so how old were you when you started racing? Uh, I was either 25 or 26. I think I want to say 26. Okay. And then, and, and then how many years did you continue? So I did. I was uh, a novice, a weera novice rider we had a really unique program back in the day the we national challenge series and in the we national challenge series they would also have this these classes available for novices which was great mm-hmm. and there were only a handful of us that really traveled the country to chase the entire series um and so that was that was two years and then so i i turned uh-huh. I turned pro. I started racing at the AMA. I started riding. Sorry, Jason Pridmore. Not racing, riding <laughs> in 1997. And then that lasted until 2002. And by 2002, um, you know, 97, I started doing some things for Speed Vision Network at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And by 02, uh, Fox had exercised their option, purchased the network outright, and then, you know, changed it to Speed Channel. And that's when. I was faced with a crossroads that wasn't true. And I was asked by someone who didn't, wasn't really a a power player in the business if I would stop racing and just commentate. And then when I found out, the executive producer was like, why would we want you to stop racing? If you can commentate and race at the same time, there's more legitimacy. Mm. By that time, man, it's really, really hard. Once you kind of wrap your stuff up and get your mind around, okay, I'm going to the racetrack without all the hard work, without going fast, without competing, it was uh, it was too much for me to try to put a program back together. So yeah. that was the end of that. Gotcha. But then I did a couple of guest rides over the years, you know, a couple factory things, uh, factory rider for a weekend kind of thing. And mm-hmm. and uh, in, in 2007, I did uh, an endurance series with uh, with Melissa Paris. Melissa Paris and I oh. did an endurance team on a honda 600 oh that's cool yeah actually oh, yeah, it's great I, I had her on the podcast a bunch a bunch yeah of so melly is a, yeah. when i was racing at that time we were about a hundred pounds difference before leathers mm-hmm. doesn't make for a good suspension on a race bike <laughs> yeah i guess that'd be kind of hard to set up for 
<laughs> it was yeah different size riders <laughs> but yeah i mean literally dude i would get on the brakes just go right to the bottom of the fork and then just the, the front dunlop would just do to do to do to do and i was at the rest i was happy by that by that point i had kind of given up on the idea of like tuning suspension like you just ride stuff you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. just so. have some fun mm-hmm. so then how did how did the uh that switch to you know doing play-by-play and you know being a commentator how did that come about so I had moved to Atlanta right after the Olympics in 1996 to take a job with a company called Reichold Chemicals in sales. And when I decided at the end of 96 that I was going to go AMA superbike racing, you know, not in superbike, but like super sport category, all the rage was uh, dirt track. Like if you don't know how to slide the rear end of a bike with a throttle, you're garbage. So in that winter, the 96, 97 winter, uh, Danny Walker had started American super camp mm-hmm. and I believe it was his first or second school. He did it in Conyers, Georgia, across the, you know, across Georgia from where, or Atlanta area from where I was living. So I went and took the school and I'd never ridden a dirt bike in my life. So it was awesome. The foundation you get in that school is absolutely Phenomenal body uh, position, elbows, throttle really control, all this. Have you done it? I haven't, but I've heard really good things. I, oh, man. I have friends ever, who've done it. Yeah. If you ever get a chance, it's so worth it because it's skills you'll take away for your, you know, for your entire riding career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, so, so I'm taking this school and there's a video camera there, right? And there's a guy named Brian Drebber. I don't ever heard of him shooting a feature for a show called Bike Week on a network called Speed Vision. Never heard of it. But Brian was such a kind-hearted guy, and he's like, oh, where do you live? And I said, I'm in Marietta, Georgia. Oh, that's where Chet Burke's Productions, the people who do most of the motorcycle programming for Speed Vision are. And he said, would you like to come and meet some people and see how television's made? And I said, yeah, I would. <laughs> that's cool. So he followed up with it. And again, not during cell phone times, right, necessarily. I mean, maybe we had cell phones back then, but it was just different. You know, he got in touch with me, and he, he committed to it, and I went there met some of the producers, including a guy named Chris Bond. Chris Bond is currently the the producer for, and has been for the last 12 or 15 years, uh, the producer for um, Supercross and Pro Motocross. And he lives actually here in Raleigh. So Chris at the time was the producer for the AMA Superbike series when it was back on Prime Network and Speed Vision. So I got to meet those guys. We talked racing, blah, 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 blah. And Chris Bond says to me, hey, man, if I, if we put a microphone in your helmet and a camera on your motorcycle and an earpiece in your ear so you can hear the commentary, will you commentate live during the race? And I said, yeah, I do that. (laughs) So by the time I got the Pikes Peak, 1997, that's what we did. And the first AMA National I ever qualified for that I ever raced in, which was won by Jason Pridmore at Pikes Peak. I commentated, I think, three times live from the saddle during that race. Oh, wow. That's cool. And that kind of launched my TV career. I had done some other stuff before, like some TV stuff in the booth, but it was like the Harley 883 race, 250 race. Like somebody couldn't be there. Like Freddie couldn't be there. And they were like, hey, don't race come to the races and, and you can do this. 
Mm-hmm. And so I started doing that. And then in, by 1998, I'd left my job and started full time with Chet Burke's productions. And I started behind the camera producing and editing and doing, I used to produce MotoGP and write the teases and voice the teases. And I got to work with great people like Larry Myers and a bunch of producers behind the scenes that people haven't heard of. And then Dave Despain showed up and yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was four years of just kind of grinding it out, learning in four years of working for Chet Burke's productions. I had seven days off total. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, that's dedication. Yeah. Yeah. So sounds like basically on the job training, like on the job training. That was it. It was learning from the people around you. Like, did did you have any background in theater, like from college or anything like that? Or no, nothing. Okay. The only thing I could say is that in speech and advanced speech, which are two courses I took in my business degree, I got a pluses in both of them and that's it. Okay. That's it. So no, it was more. So you could talk, you could talk good. Uh, you could talk good yo i talk good yo i'm from long island Island, i talk good oh hey hey. you know i'm talking about now so i mean basically that's what happened it was like uh you know back when i started though chris speed vision was in six million homes and i believe in 1997 the universe as we call it in tv which is basically united states households i want to say it was probably in the one 50s like 150 million homes mm-hmm. and speed vision was in six mm-hmm. so they got a lot they got away with a lot of stuff and yeah. i got away with a lot of mistakes and just had people that were patient and would you know work with me point out my mistakes and they didn't give me advice don't get me wrong they would just say yo stupid don't do that and you'd be like, oh okay <laughs> you know what i mean to figure okay. it out you know right. yeah 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 it was That's just wild. a unique time and people often ask me like how can i get into tv like you i'm like you can't it right. was just yes, a unique. That was then, and this is now. Yeah, and I was cheap, so you know. Yeah, did so um, I was like I'm hiring this guy. Did Did you do any automobile stuff, or was it strictly motorcycle? Strictly motorcycles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I was, you know, Speed Channel, Speed Vision, like when I was watching auto racing, and you know, it was cart, you know, and 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 the indie stuff, and Formula One, and actually maybe even not even Formula One, but yeah. But uh, yeah, I was I was I, I was not yet awakened to motorcycles at that time. So, <laughs> you know, to, to be to you know, listen, I appreciate car racing, and I appreciate NASCAR. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I do too. I mean, distinction between there's... car racing and NASCAR, right? Oh well, yeah. But you know, uh, especially if you're a South Park fan, but that's you know yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's always something to me about being able to watch someone at work. You know, when you watch a driver, you lose all the subtleties of what makes that driver great or that crew great. And the other thing about car racing that is kind of like an ant for me is, you know, that the that the there's so much influence during the race that can be done outside the race car. You know what I mean? Yeah. Crew chief and everything. I like sprint racing and the fact that you and your crew work, you take your time. And then, man, when that light goes off, or in my case, in the old days, when the flag would drop, the green flag would fly, (laughs) that was it. Right. I mean, you just had to work with what you have and there's no telemetry coming in. There's no, you know, adjustments and things like that. And, and at least in MotoGP with all the crap that's on those bikes right now, it's still, they cannot send any signals to the bike and they can't 
receive any signals until they're off the track and they can plug a computer in. And that part of it, I really like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. So sorry, I just, I'm looking over here just cause I'm following comments and whatever. So, uh, Actually, maybe this is a little bit of a segue. So one thing I was going to say, so I, I saw the video you posted of your, your lap on the Ducati at VIR. So that, yeah. that, that was pretty cool. Yeah. And, and the, the thought that occurred to me, and, and I know Jason Pridmore busted your chops about this is like, are they, are they, are they going to let you race in the next bagger race? Cause I, I realize it's not a Harley or an Indian challenger or whatever, but you know, you got the bags and the, the whole deal. I don't think that that bike is legal. I haven't I haven't seen the rules, but honestly, yes and not. I can tell you this: V twin. Yeah, I mean it's a V four, so that's yeah, a problem. Right there's a problem. Right there's a problem. But I can tell you that Kyle Wyman's Harley Davidson makes more horsepower in its full blown factory Harley Davidson trim than than the Multistrada V four S makes. Mm -hmm. Okay, but looked like you were having fun out there. Ah, that's great. Listen, yeah. you know, I've been around VIR a bazillion times, you know, I'm not making excuses any by any stretch of the imagination, but it was the first time I'd ever been on a motorcycle with a 19 inch front wheel on a racetrack. That was weird. You know, mostly all of our bikes, even since I've been racing, have been 17 inch front and rear. And, and then I was in ADV gear, man. Like I was going through some of those corners going, dude, do not lean this bike over any further because I wanted to put my knee on the ground. And I still want to put my knee on the ground, yeah. you know, on, on that bike. And maybe I will, but Moto America is cool with it. So I think I can pretty much do it at, at almost all the tracks we go to, uh, depending on time. And, you know, Chris, what makes it special is the fact that, you know, I mean, anybody can go around a racetrack with a GoPro on, but this is course cameras. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. No, like it was, it was full course cameras. That and was cool. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty cool. And, and Larry Meyer, who's our executive producer, Nicole Cox, who's, you know, ma manager of pretty much everything at Moto America, they gave approval to do it. And, you know, it doesn't sound like much, but you have to give a tip of the cap to the corner workers and to our camera crew because, you know, a two Oh two lap time, but I did three laps. So it doesn't sound like much, but they were there for an extra, you know, nearly yeah. 10 minutes, mm -hmm. you know, at That's the end of a very long day. So Extra. Yeah, I appreciate everybody doing that. And it was it's kind of cool to walk into a TV truck and they just throw a USB drive. Here's your here's your laps. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, thank you. That's cool. That's really cool. It's a it's a lot of moving pieces to have done the for yeah. you. So it's really cool. So how how did that happen? Did you like throw it out there? Like, could we maybe do this? Or did someone approach you about, you know, they 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 saw you had your bike there or yeah. So it kind of came about like it was I was just riding uh to you know to work to VIR and I thought, man, it'd be it'd be cool to ride it around the racetrack. And I know most of these racetracks I've raced at most of them, uh, or I've, you know, been around a motor. The only one I haven't been around a motorcycle on, I think that we go to is, um, pit, pit race, been around it in a car, but not a motorcycle. So I just, you know, said, look, it would be cool content to integrate into the videos that I'm doing. And I haven't, I have video that I need to cut together that I was supposed to cut together on my own schedule for the ride to VIR. But to be able to cut that into the videos, I think would be really cool. Um, and just to say, look, you know, it's, it's a multi-strata. You, you can carve canyons with it or you can go on a racetrack. Mm -hmm. I don't know. VIR, I mean, I just asked. And so I get to the racetrack after thinking about this and I park the bike and I get off and I, I park it. It's owned by Hudson Valley motorcycles, which sponsors Corey Alexander. Right. 
and uh, Richie Escalante, right? So, uh, you know, I have a parking pass to get into the paddock yeah. and I'm parking it now at their semi uh, so people can take pictures with it and do whatever they want with it, which is cool. Um, and so I get off the bike and someone was standing there and said, dude, you need to take this thing around the racetrack. And I was like, that's what I was thinking. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, you know, just, I went, you know, first and foremost, I went to our executive producer, Larry, and I just said, Hey, is this possible to do? Maybe when Roger Hayden goes out and does his Ducati hot laps, when he's halfway through his last lap, I can kind of jump on and then just do, you know, a couple quick laps. The problem with getting a full lap is, you know, you, you, you exit and you're down in turn one, you oh, come around you know, or you enter and then you exit, you know, so you have to do three laps basically. So he said, yeah, no problem. Go talk to Moto America. And so I did, you know, happen to run into the people I needed to and everybody went like, yeah, it sounds good to me. No problem. Nice. Nice, nice, so, nice. Yeah, it's All cool. Right. Sometimes it works out. <laughs> Sometimes it works out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's cool. Yeah. So, uh, so, so Anthony Radowski, I mentioned him to you before, and and Anthony, by the way, thanks. I'll give you a little little plug for your Bagger Racing Facebook page. You guys, there you go, go, Anthony. You guys should go check it out, and and thank you for sharing the link for this uh, Facebook Live. But the what he said in the comment was, he said, "Let's talk baggers." Even though it's in its infancy, what's your overall impression, thoughts on the King of the Bagger series? And do you foresee it expanding to a five or more race series? Well, I mean, first of all, I love racing no matter what it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, I really do. So, uh, I mean, my first race on a scooter, I mean, I beat Eddie Lawson. But that's a whole nother story. <laughs> that, that, we'll have to do another podcast. That I can, <laughs> I can say now because I already interviewed eddie for the 20 21 and 21 <laughs> okay. um does baggers have a future i mean it makes no it makes no difference what my opinion is or anybody else who's a racer's opinion is what matters is the fact that it's crushing it absolutely crushing it for moto america on youtube which means there's interest so if there's interest it definitely has a future you know right. yeah, and point. Indians very interested in it. They're, they're pouring a bunch of money into it. Harley Davidson's, you know, pouring a bunch of money into it as well. So I think it's really interesting um, because racing's racing. And I think that, you know, on the sharp end of that class, you have a lot of talent, um, you know, that that's recognizable names. And I think it's, I really, I like it. I like the idea behind it. I'm concerned about it because, we go, you know, we go to Road America next. And I know that those, you know, those power plants are not designed to take that type of thing. So I'm concerned mm -hmm. about the optics of it. Yeah. But if you own one of those bikes and you see it out on the racetrack and $100,000 superbike trim, basically, mm -hmm. and it draws you to road racing, I am all for it. And it's no different than the XR 1200 class during the DMG days. Yeah. Or the 883 class during the AMA Superbike days that I was I was there, it, those classes are designed specifically to draw an audience in. So when in this day and age with social media, if you're getting that kind of exposure, I mean, I think I looked uh, at the highlights from Atlanta, Chris, and it was like when I looked uh, last week, it was already at like 844 thousand views on YouTube. Nice. Like, here's the thing, Moto America, like a lot of niche sports needs name recognition mm -hmm. you know i mean you go from ama superbike which was a thing for dozens of you know like i don't even know 40 something years more than that right 
I mean, no, the Superbike class started in 1976, and there was racing before then. I don't know when it was the AMA. I'm not a historian or anything, but you know, Moto America, the name Moto America, I mean, it still needs people to recognize what it is to, to, to hear the name, you know? And so I think that if no matter what it is, as long as it's positive, that the series can bring more exposure to the series in general, I think it's going to be great for everyone. It really is. Yeah. In fact, I remember it was on Facebook someplace, and I don't know if it was one of the Moto America racers. Someone had posted a photo. They were in like, maybe it was down by Atlanta. They were in a Kroger supermarket, whatever it was. And Mm -hmm. there was like a big cardboard cutout, you know, picture of the bagger, Moto America, you know, bagger series, whatever. So that, I mean, that kind of stuff is, you know, they put it on billboards down in Florida during bike week. I mean, you know, there are some good decisions Moto America is making on, on that side of things to promote it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's like, uh, listen, Chris, back in the day, Michael Jordan had a team, right? Right. I mean, Michael Jordan, especially when we went to road America was driving people to the racetrack. I mean, you know, yeah. you're going to shit on that because what, well, that person's a Michael Jordan fan. Yeah, I don't care. They bought a ticket and right. now right. they know what I'm AMA Superbike is and they've seen a road race or at least been around it quite possibly. We're going to hook people into it, you know? Because there's there's two keys in my view to, to to creating success, you know, in this in this industry, not motorcycle, not racing, but the entertainment industry, which is ultimately mm-hmm, what we are. It is, yep. You know, and that is take the helmet off the rider, showcase personalities, connect human beings with other hu- human beings. That's really important. And the other thing is is getting butts in seats because I have never, not once in my life, have I ever had someone go to a superbike race and go, meh, right. Yeah, that was right. never happens yeah. when you're up close and you're watching someone drag their knee and you're seeing the speed, you're, you're hearing the sound, you're feeling the feelings that you get. Everyone's hooked, whether it's long term, whether it lasts irrelevant, the fact that they get hooked. So it's like, how do you get people? And this year, attendance is way up. That's what Ticket I've, heard. That's way what up. I've it's, heard. It's great. It's great to see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I better uh, I better start booking my hotel and stuff for uh, for the race. Dude, that's I'm what I was saying to. in my podcast. I mean, man, I was too late doing freaking Road America. Luckily for me, I have a friend who lives there, and I'm I'm crashing I'm crashing at their place because I was like, uh, any rooms available are like two hundred and something dollars a night, and I was like, or I'm going yeah. to Montauk, an hour <laughs> right. and a half away, right. And, and by the way, you can only stay in Manitowoc if you know how to pronounce Manitowoc properly. Because they ask they, you right there at the border anyway. The, okay, right. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I better either book earlier or pack in a tent on my motorcycle. <laughs> there you go. See, as how I, you talking. As I ride to the races. So right? I stopped that 250. Go steal that 250. You took yeah, ride that thing the, all the way up to Wisconsin. Ride it to a, the ridge. That would be an accomplishment, right? <laughs> you, 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 you could draft me. Especially when I put the bow case on the back of that thing, I'm going to be punching a big hole. In yeah, there. I was going to ask. So are, are you going to do that? Are you going to get the mm-hmm. bow case mounted? Yeah. So um, two by two cycles, which is in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, guy Garrett there, he you know makes bicycle racks and he makes golf bag carriers for motorcycles and makes some phenomenal stuff. Mm-hmm. So I brought him the bow case and was like, dude. And he's like, oh, I can do this. Oh, he's a Massachusetts yeah. guy with the full-blown mass accent. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, yeah sure. <laughs> sure. I can make this work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me see what I can, uh, you know, whip up for you, you know? So um, the, 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 the rack is built for, the, I have a Pelican bow case 
air case, whatever. Um, it's built. Everything's good. The only thing is, is that we've got to figure out a couple things with um, electrical. So on the rack itself, at the you know you have the tail light. Yeah. I want to put blinkers on it as well, and then I've got to relocate. Figure out kind of a quick release system to mm-hmm. to relocate the um, the license plate. Yeah. And let me tell you something. Clipping wires on a Ducati is not the same as clipping wires on that 250 Suzuki. It is I understand. Especially especially a 2021 Ducati V4S that has adaptive cruise control. It breaks for you automatically. Like I do not want to mess around with that. So hopefully tomorrow I'm going to have a phone call with somebody at Ducati. We're going to talk about plugs and quick releases and I mean whatever. And we're going to try to get it sorted out. But I have a, you know, I don't even know now what, maybe two weeks, just under two weeks before I leave to my big, big trip, you know, which is road America to the Ridge and so on. So, uh, I hope to have it all sorted by then. And then, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Yeah. Cool. Does the, does the Ducati use like CAN bus? Like, you know, a lot of the manufacturers are now, I think like BMW uses it and you know, for all, for the wiring or they have their own like proprietary. That is a good, it's the second time I've been asked that question in two days. I don't know, but I'll know tomorrow. Um, Curious. The Ducati is extremely complicated, more so than any other bike on the market right now, because it has, it's the first bike on the market with that full radar system. Mm -hmm. So you have adaptive cruise control. It does break for you. So the entire system is integrated electronically and so on and so forth, because the electronics can control the braking for you. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's everything, everything is linked together and that that's all active, right? The bike that you're on now, right? They, they enabled all that. They stuff. enabled it. Yeah. So if you buy the bike right now, it's not approved through the NTSB yet. As far as mm-hmm. I know, Okay. I think it's supposed to, uh, in the next up and coming months, but because I'm, you know, media, no, cool. uh, it, which is great. Um, they enabled that for me and man, dude, I am. So surprised at how good it works and how much I use it. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's really that's cool. Adaptive stuff. cruise control I'm talking about. So it has yeah. adaptive cruise control, just like your car. You set it on the bars. It has uh, an up and down switch where you can adjust the three different distances. Right. And then it also has radar out the back for blind spot protection. So you have the rear view mirrors and on the ins- upper inside are amber lights. Okay. So when someone's in your blind spot, it illuminates so you can see that, you know, you can, you'd be warned that they're there. Mm-hmm. And I thought, adaptive cruise control on a motorcycle? Are you kidding me? I don't even right. use it in my car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude, I use it all <laughs> I could I could imagine, especially on a motorcycle, when you just want to just kick back a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and, cool. he, and here's the thing, and I don't want to bore people with this, but it's just such a neat bit of technology. So on the Ducati, it has, uh, it has auto blip downshifting, right? Mm-hmm. So when you set the adaptive cruise control, let's, and I'm, I'm going to say this eventually on a video, but let's say that you're on a back road and you know, you're, you're in a 55 mile an hour zone and you're going 65. I don't, but let's just say that. Let's just say you are. <laughs> now you're getting into a little town and you have a couple cars in front of you or a car in front of you and you go. 65 down to 55 to 45 to 35 and so on. You go down to 25 as you're going through one of these little towns with the adaptive adaptive cruise control on. It's obviously stepping you down because of the car in front of you as they slow down. 
But anybody who rides a motorcycle knows that six gear at 25 miles an hour is a nightmare, yes. right? So the cool thing is, is that as you're going down, you can, because it has auto blip downshift, you just click the gears. You don't need to do anything. Don't touch the clutch. Don't touch mm-hmm. the gas. Right. So as the RPMs and you start to lag the bike, you just boom, down to fifth, down to fourth, down to third. And as you're accelerating out of town, the motorcycle's doing it for you. You just grab your upshifts. Boom, 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 boom. Never disrupts the flow of, of, of the uh, adaptive cruise control, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, if someone breaks in front of you and is going to take a turn, it breaks. It breaks for you. Nice. Um, if you have the adaptive cruise on, and you're ripping through, you know, some roads, which is a good way not to speed, by the way, you know, to get a, <laughs> you, you put the, yeah, you put set the, set it on. and forget it. <laughs> yeah. Set it and forget it. But, but you know, you're, you're attentive, you know, you're, you, you still have control. If you need gas, you can, right. if you need to brakes, it automatically turns it off just like a car, mm-hmm. but at a certain lean angle, and I don't know what it is, but I'm going to find out, but a certain lean angle, it'll turn the, it'll turn the cruise control off as kind of a safety thing. So, you know, whether it's 10 degrees or 12 degrees or 15, something along right. those lines. So as you're leaned over, it just kind of boom, slows you down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you um, do just your... based off of, you know, engine braking. Yeah. And then as you stand the bike up, it just re-engages the uh, cruise and then, and then picks up speed. Nice. It's, and That's, then if your cool. butt's tired because it's kind of an ADV bike, Chris, you set the cruise and you can just stand up and you don't have to, because the adaptive cruise, okay. you don't have to think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just stand it's up and, and if I'm going up on traffic, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Slow down. Nice. I nice, thought nice. it would kind of make me lazy. It's, it doesn't make you a lazy rider. It's just, you, it's just another tool in your toolbox to enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's cool to have if you want it. I mean, obviously you don't need to use it. You know, you hit your Canyon, whatever, off it goes. And oh yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, um, I'm I'm riding a Kawasaki Z900 RS now. You know, Japanese standard. Um, the only the only thing only thing I wish it had was cruise control. I I not, I don't even need adaptive cruise control, but just cruise control because sometimes I'll do weekend trips, you know, and, and you do a lot of highway miles. Well, you can get one on there, you know. Nice. Yeah, I've I've messed around with like these mechanical ones and stuff. The the, the um, ones that do the the throttle stop ones. Have you seen? Yeah, that? basically, like yeah, it just squeezes between the throttle and the, yeah. the hand grip or whatever, and and yeah. they're like all right, but it's it's not the same as no, it's not, it's, ne- it's never you know, as good set as it and and yeah. there you go. You know, it's yeah, good. Yeah. I just need to shake out my hand a little bit, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are the bikes you have? That's that's actually it right now. My girlfriend's got an Indian Scout sixty that she loves. Oh, yeah, um, it's a good bike. You know, she this this time around she started on a Yamaha V Star two fifty and quickly outgrew that. Um, but it, it's actually, I mean, her bike probably about 50, 60 pounds heavier than mine. And she's probably a hundred pounds lighter than I am. So it, mm. it's, it's, it's a big bike for her to handle, you know, but, but low you know, seat height, right? So but, it's, but not, it's low seat. Yeah. Height, right. So yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's that cruiser thing. So big so confidence thing. Yeah. Um, I sold, I had a Kawasaki Vulcan S that I started on, you know, sport mm-hmm. cruiser, which was great. I loved it, but I just, I just wasn't riding it. And it just got to the point where I was riding it. Cause I felt bad, you know, that it's just sitting there. So it's like, let's get the oil going and whatever. So I'm like, all right, maybe it's time to sell that thing. So uh, actually a really cool dude in the Air Force came up from Delaware to buy it. Um, I, I bought it actually just when this whole, well, a couple months into the whole COVID stuff. Um, so that, that worked out kind of nice. Cool. Just just before my ad, my free ad on uh, Cycle Trader expired, you know, he, uh, he contacted <laughs> me. So... <laughs> Nice. So, save myself 50 bucks or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So um on uh on your ride down to Atlanta, right? You got to to hang out with Kyle Wyman, right? When he did his uh livery unveiling. How how was that? Yeah, that was good. There were, you know, a good number of people showed up. I mean, 
some, you know, what's interesting about motorcycle road race fans is, you know, they, they generally come from far and wide, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you have a road Atlanta race, you're, you're, you could be pulling from eight state far radius. Yeah. So to try to get someone there on a Wednesday or on a Thursday tent can be a little bit difficult, but there were some really good local people there. It was a, it was a great event. Uh, the, the big wigs from the Panera bread, um, franchisee group that owns that owns all the Panera breads in the Atlanta metro area. The management team was there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the big boss flew in for it. Nice. And of course the bike looks sick, man. I mean, what do you think? I, I, I love, I mean, Kyle did that on his own. It's, I mean, that's him in Photoshop, you know? Oh, he's, he's amazing. All, all the stuff that he does. I mean, yeah, I, I, I like the bike. It's, it's funny because I have I have a photo of him on last year's livery in my living room, uh, which I really like. I, I do like that red, black and white thing. Sure. But it's interesting now at Loris Baz in, in Moto America and riding a bike that looked kind of similar, at least to me, it looks similar to what Kyle was on. So yeah. it, it really helps Kyle stand out with this new Panera, like the green, the black, like it really, it really yeah, works. Plus so. Kyle has some bits and pieces on that bike now. Like when he and Baz were riding around each other, uh, racing each other on Sunday at mm-hmm. VIR, yep. you really got the distinction. I mean, Kyle's got the twin exhaust system that comes out by the seat. He's got yep. the um, the swing Scott right Redding there. seat. Hmm? It's, he's got this World Superbike swing arm. Kyle? Or, or was gonna? Yeah, something. I thought I heard something about that. Did he get the swing arm? He's got swing arms maybe. that are newer generations than the swing arm that he got last year. Yeah. So he's got newer swing arms. Normally on the Ducati swing arms, you're not going to notice much of a difference. A lot of what they do swing arm wise um, has to do with internal stuff with rigidity and, mm-hmm. you know, the way it handles this flex and that flex. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's not, it, you know, when people look at a world Superbike spec bike, like Baz's bike is world Superbike spec with the exception of the transmission. Yeah. It's, that's the distinction between our bikes and, and world Superbike bikes. We have to have, a stock transmission in world Superbike, you can pick a transmission that's aftermarket or that's different from the stock bike, but you have to run that all year in our series. It's stock, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the, the issue with the Ducati is everybody's just like, well, what's the big deal? That thing rips at world Superbike. Why doesn't it rip here? It's gotta be the rider. It's not man. Like that, that bike is really developed around Pirelli tires and Pirelli tires are significantly different than the American Dunlops we have. And most of it has to do with the stiffness of the carcass. Mm-hmm. So when you have a Pirelli that's soft and that does certain flexy things, that's what Ducati's tuning for. It's the one thing like when you, I don't know about your experience coming into motorcycle road racing, but car, when I talk to car enthusiasts and I try to stress that motorcycle road racing specifically is all about the tires. It, everything starts from the tires up. Mm-hmm. You know, MotoGP bikes are built around tires. tires yeah. You know, you see Michelin bring out a new rear tire in MotoGP and pff, Ducati was, you know, Davizioso was off the back, right? It's all about that. And it's the only sport I can think of that is so dependent on the tires. Tires affect other sports, but a Formula One car isn't specifically designed around the tires. I don't think a moto, motocross bike is not a flat track bike is not. Mm-hmm. But our bikes are, they are. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you've heard some stuff like Ducati designed a specific swing arm, you know, for, for Dunlop. No, they haven't done that. You know, that what they do is they take a 3D model of the Dunlop rear tire and they bring that into their electronics. And that's going to give them a lot of things that they can kind of say, okay, 
this gives us a baseline from Pirelli to, to, to Dunlop. Mm-hmm. But the rigidity part of it, how the tire spins, how it grips, how it releases grip, all that stuff is is unique to bikes in the U.S. because we run those Buffalo built, you know, Dunlop tires. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, even coming from like when talking to Hector Barbara, who comes over from BSB and, you know, plenty of other places, asking him about his first impression of the tires. And he's like, dude, these tires, they they stick, but they're so stiff. It's mm-hmm. like, yep. And I, and I know where it came from. It goes all the way back to the mid two thousands and how our guys, the real fast guys like Ben Spees and the guys around him rode those, rode those motorcycles and how they got them to go fast and how Dunlop really needed to, you know, deal with that issue of collapsing front tires and, and heat, you know, cause as a tire bends and flexes, that more heat's created, faster. right? Like yep, it's a whole yep. thing. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Yeah. I don't want to get. I don't want to get off in the weeds and that stuff. That's but. it. Not that that. There's some crazy stuff in there. That, that's that's what I love about motorsports is that, that there's so many aspects to it. You, you know, you've got the riders, the rider skills, the personalities, and then you've got all the technical stuff. The technical and stuff, and you you could just dive. You know, it's like an endless. <laughs> it's an endless deal, like rabbit hole. Like one know? of the biggest things is Cameron Bobier in Moto Two, right? Like he rides Dunlop tires, and people are like, "What's the problem?" That Dunlop is not the same Dunlop that's here as ours. Sumitomo owns ours. So Japanese Dunlops and U.S. Dunlops are closer, but they're still not. That Dunlop is owned by another company and they want a whole different direction. They're even more stiff than what we have. And so for Cameron Bobby, if you watch all of his crashes in Moto2, it's always on the front and it's always late in the corner. And the reason for that is, is he is struggling with front end feel. Mm-hmm. You know, so... And that's the thing. He's trying to learn how to go around it because it's not a Dunlop like it is in the U.S. Right. It is apples to oranges at this point for him. Yep. Learn a whole new bunch of stuff. Whole dude, no but, but uh, it's, it's it's awesome to see him over there. Like that's you know that that's really cool. You know one one of the right the thing with Moto America when it got started was you know let let's let's get riders up and coming so they can move on to the you know the world stage and that's that's happening you know you got girl off and Superbike, and uh, it's just you know and i'm i'm new to the whole thing you know like i said when i come in 2016 right so right. i came in mode america days you know i've heard ama and you know and, and i've heard some of the names the racers and whatever but i have yet to you know brush up on my history and stuff but um I don't know. It's just year by year. I just see what Moto America is doing. And it's like TV coverage gets better. There's more people watching. The quality goes up. You know, you've got racers coming up through the ranks and whatever. It's, it's really cool. Commentary is still garbage. And that's mostly my fault, but I try. I, I, I happen to like the commentary, but <laughs> some people do. A lot of people do, but there's a few, there's a I, few I, I uh, trolls out there on the internet for sure. Yeah, But that's like with anything, right? I mean, like with anything, man, you can't make anybody happy, you know? Hey, dude, here's a mic. Imagine if you Mother Teresa. <laughs> imagine if Mother Teresa had a Twitter. I'd love to see people hating on her. That'd be interesting. Could you imagine that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gandhi, your glasses are see? stupid. You know, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> see, see people's heads just exploding for no reason. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Haters gonna hate. My boy Rispoli would say, "Haters gonna hate." Absolutely, absolutely. All right, we're about the the hour mark. Um, any, anything else you wanted to just chat about or? cover before we wind it down no not really i was just curious to find out if if because of the road racing stuff has that propelled you to start following any other form of motorcycle racing you know are you into flat track have you been watching any supercross motocross anything else like that hill um, climb a little bit here and there um mm-hmm. we did go to gina and i went to 
American flat track was two years ago at uh, what they call it, the, the Meadowlands Mile, which yeah. which was really cool to see. Um, years and years ago, actually, before you know some in, you know Supercross things, you know, it was like monster trucks and Supercross and you know all that all that kind of stuff. Um, I love all of it. Uh, I've seen hill climbs here and there. Um, once in a while, I just catch these awesome like trials videos on YouTube. Oh, I mean, just especially shit, right? like the, the oh stadium stuff. I I don't know. It's it just it blows my mind, and I think that's one of the reasons I got into racing. Aside from the fact that it's just entertaining, is mm-hmm. as I was starting to ride, and I realized there there is a technique and a technology to riding properly, and there are things you can learn. And as I was starting to get trained and training and courses and whatever. I just became more and more impressed with what you see on the track and, and the way that these guys, you know, handle, handle their machines. You know, just watch, you just watch racing, you watch bar banging and whatever. And, and I don't ride like that, but I have a little sense taste of what it must be like. And it, it's phenomenal. I just, you know, it's just Mm. awe-inspiring. Honestly. Yeah. It's a good point. I think I've, I think I've been around it so long and the fact that I used to race, not on the sharp end, but you know, couple top 10 finishes in AMA, but because I've been around it for so long, sometimes I, I lose sight of the fascination of that because we're so focused on who's going to win, who's going to win. Mm-hmm. And if you don't win, it's always, what's your problem? You know what I mean? <laughs> what's your problem? Ah, <laughs> oh, the tires gave up. All oh, the setup wasn't right. All oh, the blah, blah, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's very interesting to get your perspective on it because, you know, it's, it's really the, the most difficult thing about, the job that I do is we're aware the series is growing again, especially last year when I think 16 of 20 of our races ended up on Fox sports one that weren't supposed sports two because of COVID because we came back and a lot of sports hadn't, we were able to get on there. That created a ton of exposure that Moto America wasn't expecting, you know? And so it was great. But in that, you are trying to satisfy that audience that is not only the hardcore person that thinks they know everything because they read the weird message boards and then all the way to the person that could be tuning in for the very first time and motorcycle racing, especially road, well, all motorcycle racing compared to cars, Chris, they're small. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like we do things where you have two bikes that look identical. I mean, the only way to tell, you know, Josh Heron from Jake Gagne beyond their riding style. Like I can see silhouette. I could tell you who's who, but really the only distinguishing factor is going to be their number and the name name on the back of the suit or yeah. yeah, Or their helmet. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's important, you know, to, to cover all that, to try to satisfy the hardcore person, but also educate the brand new viewer so we can, you know, take them along. And sometimes the hardcore viewer is going to, you know, get all bent out of shape about some of the things that we say reminds me a little of what I run into with this podcast because I started this as, Hey, let me get new people into motorcycling. And then as I've learned more and as my skills have developed, my interests have expanded and I got interested in motorcycle racing. And so, you know, I have newer riders who are like, Hey, you know, I'm not really into motorcycle racing and that's really cool, but you know, I'm not going to listen anymore, you know? So it's kind of hard to, to meet everybody's needs. Yeah. Uh, I, know, I, I just got a recording has stopped again. So, um, yeah, and I just got a recording in progress type thing. So, I don't probably know, on the Zoom maybe, side. I think the Zoom guys are trying to tell me something. All right, Zoom, I'm, I'm not going to uh, take you on as a sponsor, I don't think. But, um, <laughs> 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 although, oh you know, God, something that'd be the absolute I, greatest. 
<laughs> It'd be the greatest, Christian. If Zoom called you tomorrow, you'd be like, oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is so true. It is so true. Actually, well, I, I should keep a podcast. Listen, I'll take I, it. I should... <laughs> I should keep my mouth shut until I download my audio from their server. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> um, yeah, it so must yeah, have been on, it must have been on the Zoom side, right? Because it seems to be um, fine now. I'm thinking, yeah, something on their servers or something. So, anyway, so once again, if you want to just try to just, you know, um, right. So, just what you were saying, or well, I guess what we were saying about the difficulties of um, addressing the needs of a, of, of a varied audience. So for you, right. It's like, you know, you guys have guys that are racers watching Moto America, you know, they've watched racing since, you know, for whatever the AMA days. And, and so you're, you're trying to mix their needs with the needs of brand new people you know, people interested in baggers. Right. So there's, you, you got a broad audience that you need to try to support, right. When, when, when you're doing the announcing and. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's really what our team is focused on. It's, it's, you know, not just us in the booth, but the TV truck as well with as much information as we can provide with graphics and everything else. And, you know, our limitation, of course, like most things are, are budget. I mean, you know, if you look at the size of the program that MotoGP has, the amount of people that are involved with that, that most people don't know and the amount of technology and money spent, that's a, that's a progression of, you know, probably 25 years in MotoGP. Moto America only took their stuff in house a couple of years ago. And I think with what we're doing as a team um, that we're doing some really good stuff and people continuously on our team, you know, try to make it better all the time. What can we do to make it better? It's live television. It's never going to be perfect. Things happen, you know, um, at the races on Saturday during the Superbike race, we had a camera go down and our director had to figure out on the fly how to cut around it. And it was really funny because after the race, I knew something had gone wrong, but it never really drew my attention. And normally I see those types of things. So, you know, it's just uh, it's always a work in progress. And, you know, we're getting a helicopter to a couple of these things and we're working on onboard cameras. And it's just yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to be a part of, um, especially to the paddock themselves. They see the effort that we're putting into it, the people that Moto America is they're bringing in uh, to to get more you know, with the twins class that you love so mm-hmm. much and junior yeah. cup and, you know, all the, the Moto America live plus, that's a huge, a huge deal. It's a tremendous investment on Moto America's part. And, uh, I just think that really with the way that the landscape of television, internet television, you know, all, or, you know, video in general, the way that consumers consume this information is changing so rapidly that some of the moves that Moto America has made as of late, especially that Moto America Live Plus, I think they're making really good moves. Absolutely. Yeah. The Moto America Live Plus is awesome. I mean, I I get some of the TV coverage. Like, you know, I my my actually it's funny. My DVR still records like the superbike races and whatever, but I, I just delete them because I, I just watch Live Plus, you know. So yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I'm at, at the deli on my phone, Starbucks, whatever, or while I'm working during the day, you know, I just Played on my, you know, my my Chrome browser, and I just Chromecast it to my TV. Uh, it, it works great, and you know, what's what's been interesting for me is, and I don't know how long this is going to last because as Moto America gets bigger, obviously these things change. But I'm fortunate enough at this point, you know, I am able to get media credentials, and and so one of the things that's been cool is having the chance to hang around the media center, and and just observe 
how this, these guys are running their asses off. I mean, mm-hmm. I watch Paul Carruthers and Sean Bice and everyone else, uh, Isano, everyone who's who's producing and putting the thing together. I don't see what's happening in the commentating booth. And, you know, sometimes I'm shooting pictures on the track and I kind of see what the camera guys are doing and whatever. And anyway, I guess the point is it's given me an appreciation for how much it takes to put on a production like that. So I, you know, I do get it's entertainment and it's a product and you got to have, you know, people expect, you know, high quality, you know, and things don't go right. And then you get people criticizing and you get the garbage on, you know, internet and Facebook and whatever, um, you know, even like live plus there'll be a problem. And people are like, Oh, this, you know, it's like, dude, what are you paying 50 something bucks for the year? Like what? What's the, uh, yeah, I know. There's, it's like, there's, there's yes, always a, <laughs> there's always room for perspective, isn't there? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it should be perfect. Okay, fine. But it's like, look at the value of what you're getting, you know, kind of thing. And, yeah. and people have always been responsive. Like I, I had like a little live plus glitch. I think the, the audio was out for one of the super sport, the, the first couple laps of the super sport race. And I, I just sent an email. It's like, Hey guys, I just want you to know I'm watching live plus and I'm not getting audio. And 15 minutes later, I got an email back saying, yeah, we know we're working on it. We'll get it up as soon as we can. Yeah. So like, well, you know, yeah, yeah. It's like, let, let, let's do what we can to help support and expand the sport. You know, it's like, I want, I want to see more of this stuff. So, yeah. It's good stuff. Well, I mean, we appreciate you doing a podcast about it. I mean, it's awesome, you know, that you're... I, I love it, like, yeah. Taking the time to do it and trying to build an audience, you know what I mean, for a sport that you're just a fan of. I mean, it's it's awesome. I think we really, you know, just like with, with King of the Baggers myself, we just embrace people that are people that are promoting the sport in a positive way, mm-hmm. you know? Because yeah. there are people out there that are doing stuff that are hating on stuff, and that's good. That's their niche, and go for it. It's just not something that I, that I want to participate in because... Well, yeah. You know, I've been knee deep in this thing for 25 years now, man. Yeah. You know, so I'm sure you've heard it all. <laughs> I've seen quite a bit. I, I mean, yeah, it would take something to surprise me at this point, but I would rather think and never know any more than I already do. Cause there's a lot of surprises I'm sure. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you see, um, opportunists as it grows are going to jump in and try to, mm-hmm. you know, try to get squeeze things out of the series and then they leave if things turn bad. And then there's, there's those of us that have been around, you know, um, to the highs and the lows and just try to keep it positive. And, you know, I, I try to contribute whatever I possibly can to help people, you know, stay entertained with the sport and to help grow the sport. And I hope that when I, when my day is done, cause we all have an expiration date at some point, yeah. you know, people get sick of my commentary or I'm too old to do it or whatever it is that people look back and go, all right, you know, he was all right. He did something to help the sport during those times. Right. But for me, Chris, I have so many friends that are in the paddock that make a living off of doing this. Mm -hmm. I have so many people that are scraping by by doing this because of passion. That if, if, you know, Moto America, I think, continues down the path that they are, they continue to develop and build a case on why people should come into the sport and spend money with the sport you know, as an entertainment industry and why we have value to a Panera bread or why we would have value to pick another brand. You know, if that happens, more money gets to the sport, more people can make a living, a healthier living, possibly even look at making a living and retiring. Then I think that, uh, you know, that's, that's really where like, I'd be so happy with that. And then anything else is just, you know, just yeah, bonus gravy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Well, listen, Greg, I really appreciate you hanging out with me tonight. I apologize for all the little technical 
difficulties there, but uh, I, I guess there is no of, problem. I guess no it's problem. kind of the nature of the game. Um, Can any, I pop uh, some stuff before we roll out, Chris? Oh, absolutely. Real quick? Yeah, I was going to ask you. Yeah, if you want to talk about any of your sponsors and uh, just where people can, you know, find your podcast. Nah, screw and... my sponsors, but I will say this. <laughs> No, obviously, um, I have a couple things going on. So if you're a Moto America, you know, listener and you're watching the pod and you don't have Moto America Live Plus, I encourage you to go get it. It's got great content on there. Getting better all the time, too. Uh, you know, definitely check out Inside Moto America, our new version of it. I don't know if you got to see it yet, but it is. Not yet. I mean, I've, heard, I've heard about it. but It's really, really good. A totally change from what it was. And uh, they've gone a different direction with it. It's awesome. Uh, the Greg's Ride of the Races thing, you can check it out. Um, Greg's Ride of the Races presented by Hudson Valley Motorcycles. It, you can go check out my YouTube channel. It's Greg's Garage TV. There is a Greg's Garage. That dude's got way more followers than I do or subscribers. Okay. But but that's not the one that we want. That's not the one. That's not the green one or whatever. No, go to Greg's Garage TV uh, and check it out. I'll be posting videos about the ride and, of course, the big ride. Um, and let's see. What else? Though? Oh, not the, the podcast. Absolutely. With, yeah, with co-host Jason Fridmore, right? <laughs> yeah, we're a little yeah. late this week. Uh, you know, with with travel and with Jason golfing and this podcast, honestly. And and today I had a new roof put on the house, so they were banging oh, away, wow. so we couldn't do it. Yeah. So we're gonna do it first thing in the morning. So we'll post up a day late. But anyway, yeah, Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore. We'll get it to you. Uh if you are a fan of MotoGP and you're on MotoGP.com and you play their fantasy, mm -hmm. you can go to Greg's Garage Pod. We have a, we have a fantasy league and you can win. Uh, the, the leader of that league is going to win an Arai helmet at the end of the year like they've won for the last couple of years. Yeah. So there's a ton of good stuff going on. Um, I appreciate you having me on. This is really a treat for me. And uh, because, you know, Chris, as I get older, I have this thing that a lot of people don't want to hear what I have to say anymore. And it's a young person's <laughs> game. So it's nice to, uh, to continue to have a voice in the sport. And I appreciate what you're doing to help thank motorcycle road racing out. It's you, awesome. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate the stories that you shared. Cause like you said, those are things that you don't often talk about with people or people don't ask you those questions. So no, no. If, if I can help with that kind of stuff, you know, that, that, that's something I just enjoy talking to cool people and just finding out their perspective and, and what they have to say. Um, and I was going to say one more thing. So we covered the, the ride to the races and the podcast uh, your Facebook page, I guess. Yeah, that was pretty much, I thought there was, oh, I know what I was going to say that the, the fantasy um, it, it's just kind of interesting. It's a good thing. I'm not betting on it. Cause I am in the Greg's garage pod, you know, Moto Moto GP fantasy league um, after round one, I think I was in 14th position or something. I'm, nice. like, I'm like, wow, man, this is, maybe I got a shot at this. I think I'm in like 84th now or something there you like go. that. Hey, I'm settling in, I, right I, in, I'm settling in, right into mid pack. But, but I think I'm ahead of Pridmore. So I don't know. I don't oh, know dude, how you're way ahead of Pridmore. <laughs> I don't know how long that lasts, but. Um, oh, like the way he's anyway. playing this year, it's going to last a long time. Trust me. <laughs> but it's, it's cool that you guys do that. Um, and that that really you know helps engage the listeners, and it's funny just to see the handles and stuff. That obviously you know some of it is poking fun at you guys and and whatever. But oh yeah, which some which of the we absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. Greg Greg's slow. Greg is slow. AF is a good one. Yeah. Um, there's some good. There's some good handles there's on it. To get creative, if you want to join. The so one thing I will say yeah. before I roll out, Chris, is like for this Greg's ride of the races thing. I would encourage you to go check out the Rever app. Um, if you don't yeah, have it, yeah. people out there. That's what uh, I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. The Rever app's really cool. I've partnered with Rever, and what they're doing a couple things. One, they're making some rides that are in and around the racetrack. So if you come 
and you go to Moto America race and you ride your motorcycle and you want to get around the racetrack and have some good roads. Uh, we've created some, some, you know, they, they create, I think a 70 mile loop around road Atlanta. We're going to create more for the other rounds we go to. I got to figure it out. Um, exactly. But what I'm probably going to do is I I'm encouraging people to ride with me, but I need a starting, like a starting point and a starting time that people can meet me because mm -hmm. you can live track people on the river app and you can kind of see where I am, but it's difficult sometimes it's to like intercept and jump intercept. In. Yeah. To intercept. It's one thing if we were on a local road and you and I were tight it's like, all right, man, we're going to Jones beach, you know, the route, you know, whatever. So, um, but yeah, so I've got to figure some things out. Um, it's all part of, it'll be on my social media stuff, my Facebook page, my Instagram. I have no idea. It's Greg white TV, I think. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll put all the links like in the podcast. All right. So people will find it. I know that my way. Twitter is at Greg white and that was okay. a whole coup on how I ended up getting that the whole <laughs> thing. And there's no way I can get that. I can't get GregWhite.com. I couldn't uh, get Greg white right. on Instagram. But you I just knew a guy who knew a guy who worked at Twitter okay. and they have a rule. And next thing you know, I wake up and it was like, boom, at Greg white. Nice. But, uh, yeah, and, it, and, it, and it didn't cost any greenbacks. <laughs> Zero. Nice. Zero. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Well, not me. Maybe my buddy. I don't know. He didn't tell yeah. me. No, I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right. So, yeah, hopefully we'll get a chance to meet in person. Um, I haven't mapped out the calendar yet, but definitely Jersey I'll be at. Um, hoping maybe pit race. And then we'll see. I'd, I'd love. I haven't been out to the Ridge or, or, or Laguna, Laguna Seca for that matter. So, we'll see. Maybe, maybe I can swing them. I mean, I honestly... I love the Ridge. The area is absolutely spectacular. The racetrack's cool. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Chris, the distinction is with the kind of exception of Barber, uh, if you're going to go spend the money first, I would probably go Laguna only because it's iconic mm -hmm. and it's an inside-out racetrack, meaning that if you get into the paddock, you can you can you know watch some of the stuff inside-out. Okay. Road Atlanta, Brainerd, VIR, these are tracks that are inside out tracks. Pit race is pretty good. Yeah. See is that? It, is it JP? Yeah. JP 43? Yeah. <laughs> nice. You know what? I should, I, yeah, go I'm ahead. in the middle of doing, I'm in the middle of doing this podcast. You're interviewing, you're interrupting Chris and I. How dare you? <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'll call me when you're done. Okay. Is that all you want to say? You <laughs> want to, we, want to tell I, us, Jason, I about join how you good in? you're doing? <laughs> yeah. Chris has a question. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Should I, should I join you into the Zoom call? <laughs> Yeah, you want to jump? <laughs> no, that's a no. But Chris, Chris wants to let you know that he's 88th in the pool, and you're what are you in the in the MotoGP fantasy right now? Me, I'm like a hundred and something. Oh, uh, horrendous! I love it, yeah, yeah. love it. Yes. All right, I'll call you later. <laughs> uh, a lot of races left. Okay. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> All right, so, so now I can title this episode with special appearance by Jason <laughs> on the phone. Yeah. yeah, I mean, listen, you know, I know we want to wrap this up, but the one yeah. thing I will say about Jason Pridmore, we, we, we met in 1997 and we have been through some stuff together. Uh, you know, if you ever get him on your podcast, you should definitely ask him about firing me from my ride at star school ride in 1999 when he had to fire me. But, um, that's a whole nother story, but Jason and I have been really good friends for a long time. And the fact that we get to commentate together is just extraordinary. I think it has to, a lot to do with uh, with our chemistry in the booth in terms of, you know, we we kind of understand. Pe people say sometimes, oh, you, you stomp on each other or whatever. But really, 
we have a good r- rhythm and a good flow mm-hmm. and yeah. I know how good Jason is and he, and he knows what my limitations are and so on. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a good combination. And I really enjoy going to work with him because he's so factory. Okay, Chris, he's mm-hmm. so factory that he'll just do whatever I tell him because he, okay. he can't do anything for himself. <laughs> Nothing. Okay. He's factory Jason. If it you know works, I mean? man, it works. But I mean, you guys make a great team. I, I enjoy, you know, watching your coverage of Moto America. The podcast is awesome. You know, I listen to every episode. So uh, yeah, you guys are doing something right. So <laughs> I appreciate awesome, it, awesome. <laughs> All right. So thanks much. a lot, Greg. I really appreciate it. We'll uh, hook up one of these days and good night, everyone. And thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about my podcast or find the earlier podcast episodes, just point your web browser to soyouwantaridemotorcycle.com or find the link in the show notes included with this episode in your podcast app. If you have any questions about the show or the topics discussed, or if you want to send me feedback, you can email me anytime at soyouwantaride at yahoo.com. That address is also in the podcast notes. You can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram, where I share lots of links to other people's motorcycle articles and video content, as well as providing a lot of my own motorcycle-related photos and content. Just search for So You Want to Ride, or find the links on my website, or again in the podcast notes. There are two big ways you can help support the show. One is free, and one is paid. If you'd like to help support the podcast financially, you can donate using PayPal by going to paypal.me slash Christopher or just click the donate link at the upper right on my website. I also now have a podcast supporters page on the website, which lists all of the listeners who are supporting the podcast. Total donations of $5 to $9 will make you a member of the Thumper Club, where I'll list your name and any social media links that you want to provide. Donations of $10 and up will make you a member of one of the other clubs where I'll include your photo and biography as well as any links you want to provide. Any commercial organization that would like to support the podcast to help promote their products and services can contact me directly for the available options. All donations will be put to very good use to cover operating expenses and to help promote and expand the podcast. Anything you care to donate will be greatly appreciated. The free way to help is just help me spread the word so we can continue to grow my online and listener communities. So please share the link to my podcast and my social media with family, friends, and coworkers. And also please leave me a rating and some comments on iTunes and any other place where you can leave feedback or mention the show. As always, thank you for listening. And just remember, whatever you do, it's always time to ride. (laughs) 